Well, hello there. Welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. I hope you are having a great day. Your day is about to get way better because you are listening to this episode with my guest, Eva Tenuto. Eva is the founder of TMI Project, and she is all about storytelling and how to pull those stories out of you and tell them in a way that help you to connect to your audience. And I don't mean just tell a story that other people can relate to. I'm talking about infusing the details you probably feel like nobody wants to hear or might make Make you look bad or might make you feel weird. <laughs> but these are the things that really, truly on a deep level connect us. And Eva's going to show you how to do that. And she's going to tell you more about her program and how she got started. I love her story. Um, I love that she shared it. It's so relatable. And it helps us to see that, hey, we've all been down some dark roads and we've all recovered and, you know, we've all made different decisions and we've We've come to realize that these are the things that make us who we are. So let's share that stuff. Let's move past it. Let's move on. So excited to bring you all of that today. And also want to share that this podcast is now being recorded live on Facebook. So if you are on Facebook, probably are guessing, you should send me a friend request. Angela Lucier, there's a picture of me holding a sign on my front porch. Uh, the sign is actually a blown up version of the cover of our new Speaker Sisterhood curriculum. And whenever I record one of these episodes, you'll be able to watch it as I'm recording it. It's pretty fun. It's a brand new thing. I hope you enjoy it. All right, that does it for me. Let's jump into the interview with Eva Tenuto. All right. Welcome, everybody, to my interview today with Eva Tenuto. Eva is a really interesting person. I'm very excited to have her on the show. We're going to be talking about the power of your personal story. And before we jump into that interview, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Eva is the executive director of TMI Project, which is a nonprofit organization offering transformative memoir workshops and performances in which storytellers divulge the parts of their stories that they usually leave out. TMI Project aims to incite social, legal, and political change by arming activists with the skills needed to be captivating storytellers and by amplifying the voices of populations whose stories often go unheard. In the last seven years, Tenuto has brought the organization from her living room to the United Nations and many places in between. Through TMI Project, Tenuto has led over 64 workshops and stage performances by nearly 1,400 participants, which have been presented to audiences of more than 14,000 people. She's the editor and director of multiple solo shows, one of which won Best Comedic Strip Script of 2014 in the United Solo Festival, and Eva's own true stories have been published in many anthologies and on longreads.com. You can learn more about Eva at evatenudo.com or tmiproject.org. Eva, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you here today because we, we talk about storytelling all the time on this podcast because it goes hand in hand with public speaking. And the questions I often hear, especially from newer speakers, is who cares what I have to say? Oh. And, and they also the comment that follows that up is my life isn't that interesting. Huh? And when I hear that, I think, oh, my God. 
there's so much to share. Everybody has such an interesting life and so much that they've experienced that could help other people. So I'm really excited to have you here today to learn more about how you help people tell their story. But before we jump into that, can you tell us what the TMI project is? Sure. We're um, a nonprofit organization that does uh, memoir writing workshops that culminate in true storytelling performances. And we get people to tell the what we call the too much information parts of their stories. And we identify that as the parts of their stories that they usually leave out because they're too ashamed or embarrassed to share them. And we find that if people are brave enough to share those parts of their stories and they're able to craft them in a way that's really compelling, that it is the part of the story that ends up connecting them with the audience. Because as you're saying, like we all have those parts of the stories that we try to keep to ourselves because we're afraid that if people find out that one thing about us, we're gonna be judged or whatever it is that holds us back. Um, and when the audience hears them, they feel free to share that part of themselves as well. And so it's really such a, a connector um, between storyteller and audience, I think. Absolutely. And just mentioned, I didn't know about that, um, that kind of phenomenon that happens where everyone thinks that their story is boring and everyone thinks they have nothing to share until we started doing this work. And I remember so clearly the first time we had a set of rehearsals and each person who entered the door said, nobody in the audience is going to think this is interesting. Everybody is going to think my story is boring. And it went from like a woman whose mom was in the FBI in the sixties who thought her story was boring to somebody else who had like, I mean, just so many interesting, compelling stories. And I think that that happens because it's, it comes up so that it stops us. It stops us from being brave. And it, I think it's shame speaking, really. Like, it's one of the excuses that we give ourselves to say, I have nothing to share so that we can stay quiet. Yeah. What do you notice happens after they get on stage and tell their story? How does that story change? How does the story change or how story the story change? they're telling themselves about their story, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the story behind the story. Exactly. Um, I, people often feel a real sense of liberation after they share that story. And another thing that happens that I love to watch unfold is that once that story is released into the world, there's all of this room to be able to create and do other things. Like all of the brain power that we use to keep those stories closeted is now freed up for other things. And so I also find that it unleashes a new level of potential in people um, and freedom, like a sense of freedom and ease in the world. Yeah, and they realize they're actually a lot like others more than they thought, right? Like, oh, I'm not the only one who feels this way or thinks this way. Yeah, yeah that's another beautiful thing to see is like somebody really afraid to share a story and then get up on stage and share it and have the experience of being met by audience members after who come up to them and say, oh my God, that happened to me too. I've never heard anyone brave enough to share the experience that I've been through. I'm so grateful to know I'm not alone. And there's, I mean, just the community connections that happen in real time are so beautiful. So before we go deeper into storytelling, I want to hear more about your story and why you started TMI Project. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I can tell you my, my TMI story that led to TMI. I think, I think you need to. It <laughs> seems <have> appropriate. <laughs> uh, I mean, the deeper story, there are so many different versions of this story I can tell, right? Like, um, but the deeper version is that I grew up being a secret keeper. So um, 
when I was 11, I found out from listening in on a phone call that my mom had a child that she gave up for adoption years earlier and that there was a child missing from our family. Um, and I didn't tell my sisters that I knew. And um, I, I held on to that secret for a very long time. And we, I mean, the way this story ends is really crazy. So I'll try to give you the condensed version, okay? okay. <laughs> that, that level of secret keeping led to, for me first, um, uh, an eating disorder. I ended up really shutting down emotionally at that age, 11 and 12. I dealt with a lot of um, bullying in school and public humiliation and just a horrendous amount of consequences from shutting down emotionally. And then it led to alcoholism and then the addiction just kept running. Now, it wasn't so much the information that I had, it was the fact that I felt like I couldn't talk about it. Hmm. Like I was holding this thing in and felt so overly responsible. And there were a couple of things when I was younger that really helped me. One of them was keeping a journal with a teacher that I had who saw that I really needed help and I got to write everything down. So even though I didn't get to give voice to it, there was one person in the world who knew what I was going through. The other thing that really helped was um, my mom got me into an acting class. And so even though I couldn't talk to people in real life, I could process all of the feelings that I had by pretending to be other people. Um, and so those were the two like kind of saving graces when I was younger that appeared later, right? Like those are the two things we do. We write down our stories and then we share them on stage. Um, what ended up happening was I, I got sober in 2005 and through the process of recovery and being in meetings and hearing people share their stories over and over and over again about what they had gone through and the really dirty parts and the parts that they were ashamed of, I, I was so moved by the story part of it. And this kind of influenced where we ended up going. So I was, I felt like I really healed from hearing other people's stories. It was also the first time that I gave voice to my own story. And, um, and now I watch that happen over and over and over and over and over again for people, whether they have addictions or not, everybody has like a something that they're holding back and everyone has something that they can benefit from sharing. So um, that's my, my little TMI in a nutshell. Yeah, I love that you have such a personal connection to the mission of your company and that you understand the power of it. What have you learned by running it? I've learned so many things from running it. Um, the thing that I'm learning right now more than anything is that it things work best if there is a great team happening, like nobody does any of this work by themselves. Our work is, is geared around single stories, but it's also really intended for community building. So it's like all of these individual stories making a, a whole and serving as connectors. Um, and I've just learned that, that as much as we have different experiences, if we share them the most human place in ourselves, 
we can understand each other even if we can't understand what we've been through. Like if we can't identify with the exact experience, we can still identify with the feelings. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And when I see speakers get on stage and apologize for crying while they're telling the story, I think, no, don't apologize. You're giving the audience a huge gift by showing your authentic feelings and, and they're able to really identify with that. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Sometimes it's not even about the message. It's about the feeling. What's the biggest area of transformation you've seen in the people who complete your workshops? Um, I think it's in a, a lot of what I've, I've mentioned just kind of in passing already is the freedom to move on to do other work, the release of shame that they've been carrying for so long and, um, and community building, like making deep connections between people who may not have connected otherwise. Those are like the things that happen repeatedly that I feel so blessed to be able to witness over and over again. Um, and I, I mean, there are examples. I, if Allie watches this, she's probably going to get sick of hearing me tell her story, but she's just such a great example. She took a workshop and I can post her story actually in the in the comments later, but she took our workshop through a mental health program and she had had, uh, she was a young woman. She came in very, very shy and reserved and kind of hesitated to share at each session, but she kept showing up and she kept doing the work. Um, previously to joining us, she had had multiple um, psychotic breaks and ended up hospitalized many times. She had really gone through a series of struggles um, kind of out of nowhere like she had she had had a nice time in high school and was like had a lot of friends and did well in school and then this mental health issue came in out of nowhere and really threw her for a loop um, and she had been through many many treatment programs already before we we worked with her and I, we do a lot of collaborative work so once people do all of their free rights and they write their stories and we prompt them and elicit things in different ways we'll take a lot of their writing and edit them into well-crafted monologues. And then we bring them back into class and everybody reads them and then we work together so that we get the story exactly the way everybody wants it. But it's very a very collaborative effort. Mm, and we well. brought her story back and she read it for the first time um, as a well-crafted monologue and she lit up and was like, this is exactly how I always wanted to be able to share my story. This is how I've wanted to be able to do it. And was so excited that like her message was so clear and they're all her words. She, she wrote all of it. And the next day we had the public reading where she read her story in the cafeteria of the Mental Health Association. And it was as if she went from like black and white to technicolor, like she just lit up from the inside. And she went on to like travel with us. She worked with, um, the next day, actually, she went to a high school where we were working and read her story to a group of high school students. She went to Buffalo with us and performed for 250 people for an AmeriCorps workshop we did. Um, she started a blog about mental health and got published on MTV.com. She, like, she just has really made this her mission. And now instead of feeling like, I don't want anyone to ever know that this happened to me, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I still look like I'm doing okay in the world. She's a mental health advocate for other people and has no shame around what she's gone through. So that's just one example of something we see over and over and over again in lots of different ways. 
Yeah, I love that story. That's a really great illustration of what you're really building there. So for everyone listening today who's thinking about storytelling and maybe saying those things out loud that they've been holding in their whole life, what what kind of tools or advice can you offer them to make their story memorable or to, to really share the feeling of it? A couple of things. Um, we always say that it's best to write a story that you have a little distance from so that you can benefit from having perspective. Because without perspective, you can't really share about what you've reflected upon and learned about yourself. Um, I would say keep the story um, about yourself, have it be your own story instead of telling the story of someone else or the point of the story should be something you learned about yourself, not what you want to blame someone else for. Like use stories to, un, un, to share something about your own self rather than to like communicate that you're still angry at your mom. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. don't use stories to get back at people. They're not interesting that way. Um, and then I also think it's really important to be willing to share the parts where you don't look so attractive, you know, like where you, um, where you struggled and you failed and then you came out of it. Like we can't really identify with the triumphs if we don't know what you went through to go there. And so I think it's also really important to make sure that the ego is not telling the story. Um, we often also want to kind of wrap it up really cleanly and say like, just so you know, I'm all better now and you don't have about me and these are the things you should also know so that you know that I'm okay now and we don't really need to know all that so I feel like if you have the if the story is driving the car you just put the information in that the story needs so your ego is not driving and moving it forward um, and that can be really challenging for people do you give tips on how to get into that more difficult stuff and how to access it because maybe some people have forgotten about it or they've or they've you know pushed it down so far that they can't even access it well i mean one of the things we do in our workshops is we talk about the so-called ugly emotions which we um identify as fear anger guilt and shame and what we say when we're doing just like the very first round of writing where we have people free write and we prompt them with different prompts to elicit different stories is to not let their pen stop moving and when they feel the fear, anger, guilt, or shame creep up inside themselves to write through it and welcome it instead of push it down. And the not having your pen stop moving is an important part of that. Because often what you'll want to do is you get to a part of a story that you don't want to share because of those things. And you pause for a moment and you think of all the reasons why you shouldn't share that story because it's not interesting enough or because nobody wants to hear it or you know all those things we talked about in the beginning of the conversation. Um, and really you have to keep writing through it. it. It keeps the editor out of the room and the writer in the room and we try not to let both of them work at the same time. So. I love that. And so conversely, we've talked about what makes a story good and memorable. What makes a story forgettable and boring? Just, is it just leaving those things out or are there other rules? Um, we always say we're not going to let people get up on stage and read their journals. Like that's not <laughs> what we're going to happen. And you know, for us, we want people to have a transformational experience and we want um, all of those good kind of emotional side effects to happen. But what we want on stage is for the audience to hear really good, compelling stories. And so I think 
you know, those, those stories that you haven't fully processed yet, where maybe like you do have to still, like, let's say you're, you're angry at your mother for something and you do still have to write through all of that stuff. That's the stuff you have to get out of the way. The story you might want to tell is what you learned about yourself by going through that experience. And you don't need to have all of the other stuff in there. So I think that that, that can be what turns people off. I also think that people don't want to be lectured about what you want them to think or believe at the end. They just want to hear what you went through and come to their own conclusions. So there's a tendency to want to say like, okay, so now you know what I went through. This is what I want you to, to think or do or learn. And I think keeping the lecturing out and just letting people stay connected in a really human way makes it a much more enjoyable experience for the audience and helps them stay open to listen. So those are, those are a few things that I think really help. So can we do a little mini workshop right now? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so let's say I were to tell the story of becoming a public speaker, which I actually share all the time. That's probably my most common story I share. What would you tell me to include in that story? Well, I would want to know um, what kind of personal things you went through that led you to that to that place? Like, what was it that you experienced that made public speaking become an important thing to you? And you can even, I mean, I would have to hear a little bit of the story to know where I would kind of get you to go later. And since you've told it a bunch of times, I'm sure you know what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always felt that I wanted to be a leader, but I was really shy. And um, one, one day I connected the the importance of public speaking when you're a leader. And that was a really scary moment for me because I thought if I want to be a leader, then I have to speak, but I'm shy. So what do I do next? And so I often start my talks by presenting this conundrum I was facing. And then mm -hmm. I talk about jumping into public speaking and how terrifying that was. Yeah. And do you ever share any of the moments of what you were like as a shy person before you got there? Yeah, I talk about always being the girl who um, stayed in the back. I never raised my hand. I didn't volunteer for committees. I did whatever I could to blend in and just stay away from the spotlight. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that a lot too. I think that um, all of us who want to be doing work and pushing ourselves to reach our full potential are always up against what we need to face in ourselves to be able to go to the next level. And so, you know, as I mentioned, like even um, growing up and experiencing bullying and a lot of public humiliation and shutting down and being shy, every time my stage gets bigger, I have another level of work to do to be able to face a bigger audience or a bigger crowd or a bigger platform um, because all of those old feelings come up again. It's not like they go away. I think that's an important thing to know is like they stay and you work with them. Um, they, it's not like you, or at least for me anyway, it's not like I got better and never felt that again. I just work with it to be able to keep moving forward. So do you share that piece of your story too when you're in your workshops or giving a speech? Yeah, I mean, we always feel like it's important for us to take the workshop when we're teaching it so that people feel like we're not asking them to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. So I've pretty much shared every embarrassing <laughs> that I've ever experienced at this point. <laughs> I mean, there, I'm constantly, you know, like living out new information and new stories to tell because it's not like I stopped humiliating myself, but um, I feel like I've shared the ones that have really haunted me. Yeah. And that's yeah. the stuff people want to hear. So <laughs> I 
yes. <laughs> we'll keep doing that. <laughs> Are there any ways that public speakers fail when telling their stories on stage, not from a content standpoint, but more from body language, emotion, uh, language, pacing, stuff like that? I think that um, it's really important to get rooted and that if you are going to move on stage, that there's reasons for it and that there are decisions and not just nervousness. Um, because a lot of times the message can get kind of, um, it can be very distracting when somebody's pacing or rocking back and forth. So I always tell people to plant their feet into the stage um, and feel like they're kind of rooted like a tree on there. Um, and then if there's reasons to move, like if there's something in the story that's calling for it, um, than to embody that. I also think that there's a lot of likes and ums and those kinds of things that can happen if you're not, I mean, we use scripts when we, we share our stories. We write them out and they're scripted storytelling. It's kind of like reader's theater. But if you're just going off the cuff, it's easy to get cut, caught up in all of those ums and likes and ahs um, and to get sidetracked. So I would say it's really important if you're not using something to really know what the beginning, middle, and end is, to know what the points are that you want to hit, and to, I would say for sure, know the beginning and end. So you know what your last line is, and that the last line is really powerful and feels like it's a closing. Mm -hmm. um, feel like, oh, is it over yet? Should I, you know? Um, so just being really clear about those things. Yeah. So for everyone listening today and hearing your points and thinking about storytelling, what are the first steps you would tell them to take if they wanted to rewrite or write a story about their life? Uh, I would say the, the tip that I gave at first, which is to just do some, some timed free writes um, so that you, you don't have an unlimited amount of time. We suggest 20 minutes, set a timer, write without letting your pen stop moving. Don't try to come up with a finished piece. Just try to do a brain dump. We always say give yourself permission to do a really crappy first draft so that there's no kind of like pressure to do a great job. And then as you go through it, sift out and see if there are any gems in there that you want to further develop and if there's a place where you want to go next. And when you get to the next stage of an edit, I would suggest looking at it again and saying, is there anything I left out? Is there a part of the story that I left out because I don't want to share it? And I would then write out that part of the story. I would write it with abandon thinking like, okay, I don't have to share this part, but I'm just going to get it down. And once you get it down, see what's worth bringing out to the world and what you want to keep private. You know, we don't, we don't air out all of our dirty laundry. Like what happens in the workshop, there's often a lot more personal material that comes out in that small group. And then we pick and choose what we want to go public with. Um, I think people have to really look at that and feel comfortable with what they're sharing with the wider world. It's not like it goes without consequence, you know, like you have to be kind of willing to like deal with whatever mess comes next. So um, I would say the, the first, like that free, free write and first draft with no pressure, asking yourself if you left anything out, writing with abandon, like there's no audience, and then choosing what you want to go public with would probably be a, a good place to start. You're making me want to go grab my journal right now and just start writing for the next hour. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, everybody has a different way of practicing their speeches. Do you have a piece of advice you like to give people? I know some people practice in front of a mirror, other people practice in front of their friends. How do you practice or what do you recommend? I think it's important to practice with other people. And um, if you have like a trusted person who can help give you tips for bringing the story to life, 
Um, that's always really helpful. And whenever I do that with all of the readers that we work with, like I'll meet with them one-on-one -on -one and give them some tips for bringing a story to life. But then also to read it out loud, to not just read it in your head, but read it out loud and let your mouth get used to saying the words. It's like, actually, there's like some muscle memory that happens that makes it easier. And if you are reading something, I think it's great to get really familiar with it so that you can have fun reading it and you're not like so stuck to the page. Um, and then, you know, just another tip is like any place where you can connect with the audience, like not reading with like this, this, <laughs> um, and looking at them whenever you can is a good idea. Yeah. Let's yeah. jump into our lightning round. We have a couple quick questions. Number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to become well-known speakers? Oh, that's interesting. I think I would... I would suggest not focusing on becoming well-known and focus on the thing that you're really passionate about and the reason why you want to get your message out. Like get connected with your mission and why it's important to you and then just live out the mission, embody the mission and the next part will happen. What advice do you, would you give to your 25 year old self? Um, get sober faster. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, what advice would you have for your 75 year old self? If you're not on a beach, go to a beach, right? <laughs> Be on a beach. <laughs> I like the very clear cut. You know exactly what you want. <laughs> yes. And number four, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Oh, to claim the stage for me, I, and this is a tip that I give people. I don't know if it'll work for everyone, but it helps me a lot, is that if I'm feeling nervous before I go out, I just ask I try to just ask to let myself step away, let my ego go to the side and allow something to be channeled through me that, um, that that's where like some real magic can happen. And um, it's, it's, a, it's one of the places that I feel the most comfortable and I've always loved more than any other place on earth, so. Love it. Anything you'd like to share with my audience, like any events or offers or anything that you're working on? Yeah, we actually, we've got our biggest event of the year coming up. Um, on September 28th. It's called Voices in Action, and it is in Kingston, New York. You can go on our website and read all about it, but it's, it's the event where we honor different partners that we've worked with, and we also highlight different stories that have been created through our community outreach initiative. So this year, we're honoring Tony Porter, who's actually an incredible public speaker. He had a TED Talk that went viral. It's been seen by over 2 million people um, about the cultural expectations of masculinity. And he's the executive director of an organization called A Call to Men. And we've been working with him and the Kingston High School football team um, who we're working with to have them share their stories. Um, we just did a TMI performance in the weight room of the high school. So that was a really unusual new location for us. Um, and then we're also honoring some other people from local organizations, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We'll have stories featured from our mental health program, from our Black Stories Matter project, from a project we did with uh, college students called Our Bodies Talk Back, and there's one other. Um, oh, and the football players. That is amazing. Four stories. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be phenomenal. Is that going to be streamed on? online anywhere or 
Uh, we're not going to live stream it, um, but we will have video footage after the, the event is over. It's our one big fundraiser of the year where we, we raise money to support all of those community outreach initiatives that we do. So it's a live in-person event, um, but we will have footage after it's over for everybody to see. I love the work you're doing with the football players. That is so huge. Oh, like, it's world changing. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I just went to the national conference for a call to men and participated on panels and moderated a panel and the work they're doing is just phenomenal so wow. in addition to checking out tmi project i hope people will check out a call to men as well yeah um anything else we should know where can we get more information are you guys on social media we're on facebook twitter instagram you can go to our website tmiproject.org and get connected to all of those places and sign up for our newsletter so we can send you information directly. Perfect. Eva, thanks so much for coming on the show today and, and talking about the power of storytelling, sharing some of your story as well, and just kind of helping all of us who are speakers to bring more of our own personal stories to the world. It's such important work and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking about it. All right, have a great day. Bye. Bye. So what'd you think? Did it make you realize that maybe you do have some stories inside of you that you could share? I hope so. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go write everything right now. <laughs> I already love writing. So as soon as you started talking about it, I just thought, okay, um, where is my notebook? And do I have like 20 minutes right now where I can just go write some stuff down? I hope you're inspired to start talking about the things that you maybe haven't talked about before and get on stage, get in front of people, start giving speeches. And if you're not in the New York area and you can't attend some of Eva's groups live, you know, check out her website, see what other kinds of events are coming up, see if there's stuff you can do online and also check out the speaker sisterhood. A lot of the stuff she talked about in our episode here today is what we go through and what we, we deal with in our clubs is telling our story, getting feedback, saying things in front of other people for the first time and practicing speaking up. You can check out more of the speaker sisterhood at speakersisterhood.com and learn more about Eva at tmiproject.org. So that does it for us today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute and it helps more people to find the show. So as always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.